New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today, I'm hosting Ruth Gendler. She's the author of the Book of Qualities, as well as Notes on the Need for Beauty. Ruth, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. It's lovely to see you and talk with you, Justine. It's lovely to have you here. Ruth, I'd like to begin our time today with an exploration of the quality of beauty. So you've written a whole book about it, but it's a pretty important quality among all, well, they're all important, but let's talk about beauty. I think it's different from a lot of qualities because not only is it important, it's hugely misunderstood. It's often treated as this really trivial, superficial quality that belongs to 17-year-old young women with long hair and the most exquisite Sierra landscape and certain kinds of colors of art or music. And in the book of qualities I wrote, beauty is startling. She wears a gold shawl in the summer and sells seven kinds of honey at the farmer's market. She's young and old at once, my daughter and my grandmother. In school, she excelled in mathematics and poetry. Beauty doesn't anger easily, but she was annoyed with the journalist who kept asking about her favorites, as if beauty would have one favorite color or one favorite flower. Beauty doesn't mind questions and she's fond of riddles. Beauty will dance with anyone who is brave enough to ask her. So that was one of 76 qualities, and so many women in particular came up to me and were just thankful for those lines. Beauty will dance with anyone who's brave enough to ask her. And I had to find out what it meant. First of all, obvious, there's movement. Beauty moves. Um, She responds to courtesy. She responds to invitations. She res- you need courage to approach her. There's nothing about saying beauty's always going to be at your side or beauty will never visit you or she only belongs here or there. There's something about beauty that moves us into the world, that she moves with us. And also that line, beauty doesn't mind questions and she's fond of riddles. Because I found beauty incredibly paradoxical. Beauty is very simple and incredibly ornate. Beauty is ancient and beauty's the newest. Beauty is a property of children, and beauty is a friend of wisdom and walks with old people. So this quality was fascinating to me. And beauty, what does beauty do in conversation with ugliness? And how did ugliness get ugly? And um, so I entered in a long investigation of beauty and notes on the beauty, notes on the need for beauty, the book, was evidence of that. It also became clear to me, I just couldn't write about beauty with simple bullet points and make it very um, dry, (laughs) that it had to be a kind of meandering lyrical language, which isn't always how we read right now. But I have decided my writing doesn't really fit in any category. I kind of pass as a poet. I have a poetic nature, but I've decided to call my book of qualities and notes on the need for beauty um, lyrical nonfiction. Lyrical. That's my phrase. That's lovely. That's lovely. Well, when talking about beauty, I mean, we get images 
and we're flooded with images right. of of let's say fashion kind of beauty where it's very static it's it's showing uh, a kind a certain kind of beauty and and then we think we have to live up to this right. it becomes commoditized uh, right. in some way can can you say something about that that kind of beauty well there's a tremendous amount of work that's been done, and women have been talking for years in different iterations about the the narrowing of the standards for women. And I address that a little bit, but it's not where my main focus is, because I feel like if we can feel ourselves belonging to the world, and that is a big if, this vast, immense, intimate, beautiful world, of course we carry a little piece of that beauty ourselves, and why wouldn't we? And it's not so grand. It's like this deeply ecological subtext about beauty as a quality of harmony and belonging. I'm not ignoring all that suffering that men and women go through about their appearance, but I'm asking that we enlarge the conversation from appearance, which is one face of beauty, to all these other kinds of beauties, because so many times people will say about someone they love and admire, she's not what you would call beautiful or what culture calls beautiful, but she was beautiful to me. I think that you've mentioned this in some of your writing, that beauty appears when we engage it. Right. It takes a kind of engagement that we might look at a person at first and we don't think of them as beautiful, but as we get to know them or be with them in that engagement, something happens that turns that into beauty. Well, on a slightly less personal level, many years ago, I was in a drawing class and the teacher asked us all to draw daisies. And we all drew little stereotype daisies with perfect petals and vague calyxes and who knows what a daisy leaf really looks like. And then he handed out a real daisy and asked us to draw it for 20 minutes and that daisy, you know, we're not talking orchids and roses and exotic flowers. We're talking about the common daisy became the most interesting plant to observe. And so I think with observation and with love and with sort of a tender regard, we can see beauty in so many people and faces and places that aren't the grand kinds of beauty. I don't want to dis the most beautiful, inspiring, heart-opening landscapes. But there's also so much beauty in our common life, and especially when something has time in it, when it's made with care and attention. You know, I think I mentioned in an earlier interview with you about a friend who was a college mate, and she was physically beautiful. Just, I mean, the first time I saw her, yeah, she took my breath away because everything about her was so harmonized and so beautiful and symmetrical. And then as time went on, I found my eye trying to find a flaw, trying to find something, and her face became boring to me over time. Because it was so symmetrical, I, I figured out that that there's something about finding these asymmetrical things that grab our attention and then they they work on us in a kind of 
fascination. We get engaged. Right. Well, I think sometimes we should use the word beauty in the plural because there is a place um, for that very symmetrical, noble, maybe it's a Greek quality of beauty. But or there's like a, the Taj Mahal. Right. Everything is just... Magnificence. But there is also my understanding, and I haven't lived in Japan a long time. I did do Aikido for a long time. My understanding is in the Japanese culture, there's much more room for asymmetrical beauties and beauties of the wabi-sabi and the beauty of the fading and the impermanent. It's like how many different kinds of beauties are there? There's the beauty of radiance and there's the beauty of, like I said, the kind of noble beauty or beauty of a, a not perfection, but something close to our ideal of perfection. But there's also the beauty of wildness. So I do want to open up the conversation about beauty. So we all have things that are beautiful about ourselves, about our environments. We all, for some people, it's not visual at all. It's in music or it's in running or it's in something that I'm not thinking of because a lot of my attention is toward the visual and the movement. My father was a clock collector. You know, maybe clocks were be- time, uh, uh, philosophies. I mean, there's there's so many kinds of beauty, but we have um, limited it so much. Well, I, I've, I'm talking about visual beauty now, and I think you've mentioned in some of your writing Aphrodite in the myth. She's the goddess of love and beauty. And she was the one that endowed us in the myth with eyes. Right. And eyes with love and beauty. So it came from the goddess of love and beauty. Uh, I, I just love that. And you talk about expanding our view. Right. What does it mean to expand our view? Well, I think it's like learning to see. I'm using the seeing. It could be hearing. But continuing to, to work with and against your assumptions about what is beautiful. So many artists for what probably the last hundred years have loved junkyards and love to go and make sculpture and make installation out of things that other people would consider trash, you know, and can you find beauty in what's discarded or broken? Or It's not even exactly beauty, but it's a kind of beauty of coherence or meaning. Well, I, I think of the work of Lily Yeh, yes. Y-E-H, uh, who started the Barefoot Artist right. Project. Yeah. And like how she made a meditation garden in a very run-down place, I think it was in Philadelphia. Philadelphia yeah. And it was just amazing. She just took broken glass and she got everybody in the community part. It was a community project and they made these incredible mosaics and and then planted gardens and it was just beautiful place then. I think there is a part of the beauty that interests me that leans towards coherence and harmony. But if you impose that too soon and leave things out, you're going to not go as deep. So I'm interested in, often I think of beauty as the connection between the senses and the soul, or between the intimacy of our own little lives and the magnificence of the sky, the ocean, the forest. So I think beauty is moving. I think beauty is very, very variable, and that there are some things that most of us would agree are beautiful, and that we all have individual things that are beautiful, including people that are beautiful to us. I can remember a time uh, pulling up to a small store, and this car pulled up next to me. 
a Hispanic man was driving it. And the car had like golden hubcaps and it had little fringe all around the inside of the interior in the roof, you know, hanging down. And and it had all these little icons on the dashboard and they were all like bright and reflecting light and prisms and all of this stuff. And my first thought when I first looked at it was, oh my gosh, that is so gaudy. And then there was another voice in me. And for some reason, I was able to just slow down a little bit and look at it with different eyes. Yeah. And I just, I went into a quality of delight. Right. You know, the the act of embellishing and how that, that makes something more personal and alive. One of the things I'm noticing, Justine, which is um, revisiting this topic of beauty, is that it's so fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about because the more you talk about what's beautiful to you, then the person you're talking to starts thinking about what's beautiful in their life and the odd things that are beautiful and traditional things that are beautiful. I often think as writers, we're trained to lament and to rant and to analyze, and we don't celebrate and praise very much. And I'm including myself in this, you know, but writing about beauty, I mean, it was like permission to praise and to celebrate and to meander because it's it's not linear. It's just a very delicious topic. I feel very grateful to work with it. It's also very elusive. It's hard it's to very talk elusive. about. I want to go out on uh, something that you've put in your writing, and this is something from Eduardo Galliano, and he is a Uruguayan journalist and writer, and he says, Church says the body is a sin. Science says the body is a machine. Advertising says the body is a business. And then he goes on to say... The body says, I am a fiesta. I am a fiesta. So the work is to claim that when you're growing up with all those other messages. To claim that, and that's the celebration you're talking about. Thank you. I want to thank you so much, Ruth, for being with us today on the New Dimensions Cafe. I've been speaking with Ruth Gendler, and she is the author of the book of Qualities and Notes, on the need for beauty. And if you'd like to know more about her work, you can go to her website, ruthgenlerstudio.com. And Gendler is spelled G-E-N-D-L-E-R, ruthgenlerstudio.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you so much for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe. And I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973. 
thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.